welcome to episode 31 of Off the Shelf. I can't believe we've got to episode 31. Um, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy all the previous episodes and all the episodes to come. My guest this week is Sarah Nisha Adams, who is an author and a fiction editorial director at Hodder Studio, which is an imprint of Hodder and Stoughton. Sarah has previously published fiction at Harville Secker, Vintage and Headline. So just a few low-key names you wouldn't have heard of. She lives in North London and was born in Hertfordshire to Indian and English parents. She lives in North London with her boyfriend and their cat. And I have to say, it's a very lovely cat. Her debut novel, The Reading List, is published by HarperCollins on the 22nd of July, 2021. It's a story that celebrates libraries, community and family and centres on an unlikely friendship between a lonely grandfather who is desperate to connect with his bookworm of a granddaughter and a teenager working at her local library in Wembley for the summer. Sarah's novel was partially inspired by her own grandfather, who lived in Wembley and immediately found a connection with his granddaughter through books. Welcome to the show, Sarah. How are you? Hi, Phoebe. I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm good. So your debut novel, The Reading List, published by HarperCollins, is coming out later this month. How excited yes. are you? I'm very excited. I kind of haven't... Well, I think I was... About two months ago, I was so, so anxious and stressed, and I was like, I can't believe it's going to be out in the world. And now, like, work has been so busy that I barely thought about it, which I think is probably a good thing. So I think, I think it's going to hit me. No, I think it is a good thing, but from having lots of guests on here I've learned that publishing is, is a slow moving beast so talk us through your timeline I mean when did you start writing finish writing when did you get yes your so yeah it has been a very long time coming so the writing of the book and like the first draft was quite quick so I started in I think June 2018 I wrote like 20,000 words um, of an idea and it was around the time I got my cat and I was like I'll do loads of writing that week I took the week off work and then obviously didn't do anything um so then sat on it for ages and then as soon as January 2019 came out I need to write this book um and I wrote it in about three months just kind of like just getting it on paper trying to plow through as quickly as possible um I got my book deal in I think October 2019 um and yeah it's being published in July 2021 so I think it's been 21 months um from book deal to publication so it's been a very long time and it felt like that time was going to feel very slow but it's really gone so quickly and it as I said in the intro you work in that area is that do you know is that like a normal time frame or has yours been particularly long because of COVID? Um, no so we've basically stuck to the time frame um, that was agreed pretty much at the time of the book deal mm. so I was quite lucky that I missed COVID. I mean it does depend book on book in terms of how long that lead time is. Like, There are some books that I acquire and I will publish them within three months or something which is a super fast turnaround then there are others that you maybe want a year or two years of the lead up um, it kind of just depends on what the publishing plan is and mm -hmm. all the different elements that fit in and the, what the book is and what market it will work for so yeah I, I was aware that it could be a really long wait it was interesting because my my 
parents like do we really have to wait this long you've written it how much more can there be to do to it but there was a lot of editing to do so I think it's good um that yeah we took a lot of time to kind of make sure it was absolutely right um and yeah it's flown by well I have to say speaking of your cat the cat is great you know met the cat Sticky <laughs> is lovely um but on the topic of your parents do you ever I find this when I as, as long time listeners will know, I'm trying to write and doing a very bad job of it. But do you ever feel self-conscious about people that are close to you reading your writing? Um, I did. So basically my dad was always, ever since I've been really little and I've been writing little stories, my dad has read everything. This is basically the only, I mean, I've written some other short stories that were like super dark and brooding, like that adolescent teen kind oh, of fiction. Oh, some right? love that. Yeah, exactly. So my dad didn't read any of that. He thought I was a very easy breezy child. Um, but in my head, I was very dark and brooding. Um, and I yeah, was so an emo as well. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that was me. Yeah, that was 100% me. Um, and yeah, basically he wants to read this book once he's bought it in a bookshop so he, he hasn't read it at all which is bizarre to me because normally any book that I kind of one thing I write I feel mildly confident about my dad will read it and kind of feed into it and give me some ideas or feedback or basically just give me a boost um but he hasn't read it yet so I'm a bit nervous about him reading it I don't think it's not his kind of thing really he loves crime books and it's definitely not a crime book but my mum has read it I was really nervous about my mum having read it because she hasn't really read anything I've written, but she just absolutely loved it. And she like she just talks to me as though my characters are real, as though they're real people. That's so nice. Yeah. And it's kind of inspired a little bit by her dad and the relationship that I had with him. And it's very much it's set in Wembley, which is where my mum grew up. So, yeah, it's kind of a very personal story to her and her family as well. So, yeah, it means a lot that she loves it. Well, I was going to say, you kind of preempted my next question, which is, um, as I'm sure listeners will know, the book is based on a grandfather trying to connect with his granddaughter through through reading and through going to the library. And I was going to say, is it is it based on you? But it turns out it's based on your mum. So we could we could skip over that question. Um, well, yeah. So it's it's based on my relationship with my mum's dad. Mm. Um, so my grandfather. So, yeah, it was basically um, very much about him trying to connect with me a super shy child I would like go and visit their house and they spoke Gujarati and I don't speak any Gujarati but I do understand it a little bit and I would just hide myself away behind a book and he would always ask me what are you reading as a way to help me open up because I could talk about books even if I couldn't talk about myself or anything else um so that was kind of where Mukesh came from sort of what would happen if he couldn't connect with his granddaughter and he really wanted to try to connect with her with through books so yeah very much inspired by him oh that's so nice um and my question that I ask pretty much every writer that comes on here um as I said in the intro you work um in the publishing world when you said you wrote the book in three months well I suppose there's two parts of this question number one did you start writing with a plan because I'm interested to know do people write with a plan or just write and see how it goes and secondly how did you fit writing around having a a full-time job Yeah, so I did write this with a plan, 100%. I basically thought that, um, I basically was trying, I think I planned to submit for the Lucy Cavendish Prize, and I think I did do that. And they need like a full synopsis. So it was really useful in kind of just helping me think, where is this story going? Quite often. your mind, yeah. Exactly. Quite often I just write and see what happens. Mm. And most of the time I never finish the book. Um, So it was actually really helpful having it like, basically blow by blow what's going to happen where the story is going to go and it did change 
as I went through it but it just meant that every day I could wake up and I could write because I didn't have to think about what I was going to do um so yeah in terms of fitting it around a full-time job I basically I got into publishing because I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to see what the world was like and then I fell in love with publishing and editing and working with writers and I was like I can't see myself ever not doing this job um but when you're an editor and in publishing you kind of read around the clock you're pretty much working all the time um, you've got loads of submissions to read. You've got to read other publishers' books just to get a sense of what's out there in the market as well. And I found that I wasn't writing at all. And I just said to myself, if I'm going to do this, if I ever want to write for myself, then I've got to just make time. So yeah, I just started agreed. waking up. Yeah, mm. it's a harder thing. But once I said that to myself, um, I was like, I've got to do it. And I woke up an hour early for several months and some days it was really hard some days it was easier um but I got into the habit of basically just like got myself a cup of coffee stared out the window for a bit while I thought about what I might write that day then wrote for an hour and because I had the plan because I'd been thinking a little bit about it beforehand and because I was doing it every day I had to tell myself I would try and write something every day my aim was 2,000 words sometimes I hit that quite a lot I hit that um, but sometimes I just wrote 10 words but keeping my head in the book meant that I could write it without mm. having to kind of come out of the book and it sort of then like took over my every thought like every day when I was on the tube I was thinking this is what my characters might be doing maybe this is what I'll write tomorrow so that was really useful because I think before that it had just been very stop and start I'd maybe look at a novel in progress start writing for an hour leave it for several months come back to it and just have no idea about what I'd written before and it was like starting from scratch yeah and I think a lot of um other guests have come on and they've gone for the classic wake up an hour earlier and then write but I actually had one guest who was really interesting Christina Sweeney Bird who wrote the end of men she is more of a night owl so she will write at the end of the work day until like one in the morning and I'm I think yeah you've touched on it it's if it's important you'll make time for it that's the that's the secret you just have to sit there and make time for it but yeah it's the thought of getting up can't... an hour earlier every day that I'm like no thank you I know I'm not even an early bird I wasn't an early bird until I decided to do this but I love my sleep so mm. I couldn't I couldn't stay up late either some days I did try and write after work but because I often have my evenings to read submissions and read books. And I thought, if I do that in the evenings, I don't know when I'm going to do um, all my reading. So, yeah, there were some days I definitely did some evening work, but it was never quite as focused. And I think I also loved the idea of just every morning doing something for myself. And I think it made me, it almost freed up my the rest of my day to just think about my authors and my job and my work and what I needed to do for them rather than thinking about the book during my working hours as well if that makes sense I think it does yeah yeah it was quite good kind of having that separation um but yeah I wish I could say I'm still waking up really early to do it I'm trying to edit my second book now and I was like I'll wake up early and I'll do it it's so much harder I don't know why (laughs) (laughs) well I well I was going to ask you how um are you working on a second book sounds like you are that's exciting is there a do you have a time frame for the second book coming out um, I'm not sure quite when it's coming out. I think it could possibly be ne- summer next year, but I'm actually not sure. I'm not sure if I can say. Um, it all depends on when I edit it and how good it is by the end of it. Um, but my deadline to finish this second draft is mid-August. So that's what I'm aiming for. I think it's going to be like in lots the- of long weekends. Yeah, I can imagine. And when you wrote the second book, did you follow a similar process, i.e. you started with a plan and then 
got up early to write every day and then when that was done you were like right I'm going back to bed I really tried I wish I could say I did exactly the same thing because it did work really well for the first book but I wrote a plan for this and then the plan actually felt too limiting for me and Mm. it was quite useful to have an idea of where it was going to go but I basically booked a week off work because I think now my job is a lot busier than it was even when I was doing the first book so I haven't been waking up early in the mornings because I've been using all the time I can to read submissions. Um, And yeah, basically I booked a couple of weeks off work, blitzed through it basically over the Christmas holidays and every day was just at my desk writing Mm. um, and then finished it. I think I finished it on New Year's Eve, which was great. Um, So I went into 2021 with um, a full draft and that was, yeah, it was quite useful again just to keep my head in the game for a prolonged period of time just so I didn't have to keep coming out of it and going back into it but I started writing this I wrote the opening like three times because I tried writing it in 2019 that's back when I started this draft and it didn't change that much but I found it really hard to invest myself in this second book when I was still kind of editing the first one so I found Mm. that really interesting balancing the two stories um, and seeing if I could invest myself in these characters and now I have fully invested myself in them. But yeah, it took a while. So the second book is completely new characters. It's not like a sequel, yeah. prequel, I don't know what you'd call it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a standalone. A few similar themes. It's about community and friendship. Um, and so yeah, no which teenage is... angst? No, n- well, not quite as much. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, well, I can, I can listen to you talk about this for ages, um, but let's go into the books because that's what we're here for. So tell us about the first yes. book you've chosen and why you've chosen it. So the first book I chose was my favourite book as a child, which actually was really hard to choose just one because there are so many ones mm. um, that I loved. But the one I always talk about is Fire and Hemlock by Diana Wynne-Jones. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of it before. but No, I haven't. Diana- Tell us about it. So Diana Wynne-Jones writes quite a lot of fantasy, some YA, some kind of children's. And yeah, these were the books that I used to get out of the library all the time. And Fire and Hemlock is standalone and it kind of follows this girl called Polly and she kind of has a friendship um with a man called Tom and they kind of come up with these stories together and then these stories start coming true um I haven't read it since I was a child and I know I realize that Polly is quite young and she's basically in love with Tom who is older than her so it's all a little bit I think if I read it now I'd be like that's a bit strange but this book it just it was so interesting it made me think really interestingly about imagination and basically the stories we tell ourselves and how they do take on reality in some respects so the stories that Polly and Tom come up with are so outlandish and wild and fantastical but little strange elements of them then start happening in their real lives so I think it starts with Polly when she's older and she's kind of looking through her childhood things, looking through all her memories. And there are some that seem really ordinary. And then there are these really wild ones. And she's like, did they happen? And they did. Um, but yeah, I think Diana Wynne Jones, I loved all her books. She writes pretty much everything. She has like, she writes about magicians and um, warlocks and witches. And then this one is sort of m- more rooted in reality but the imagination is where the magic comes in. And I think that's what I love about it. I don't want to read it again because I'm really worried. I'm really worried that with my adult brain now, I'll be like, oh, can't believe I love that. But I think I have heard other people have reread it as adults and they still love it despite the 
slightly awkward Polly being a young girl and Tom being this kind of love interest not really a love interest she just has a crush on him um and but he's much older I'm just like that is weird but I also when I was I definitely fancied Tom when I was reading this book um so yeah I don't want it to I don't want my to look back at it and think oh why did I love this book because in my head it's so great yeah I I see I see the danger of rereading I'm not sure I would either yeah no I haven't I haven't heard of the author but it sounds like if this this came out today people would say Polly was manifesting potentially yeah definitely (laughs) but yeah she's an amazing author she's written so many things and I always thought when I was reading them at the library that I'd found like this amazing unknown author and then I meet people and they're like oh yeah I read all her books too and yeah she's really brilliant and just so imaginative and I just would love to be in her brain because she must have had so many ideas to think of. Mm. She created so many different worlds. And I just think that is the kind of book you want children to read to yeah. just make them think that they can be unstoppable. No, that it sounds great. So tell us about the second book you've chosen and why you've chosen it. Yes. So the second book, um, I chose Still Life by Sarah Winman, which I've only just finished. I have to I say, full, full disclosure, I've seen it everywhere. I haven't read it yet. I was actually thinking about, um, so listeners will know that my mum's not very well, so she's currently reading a lot. Um, I was thinking about getting it for her. So should I oh, yeah, tell you us should. about it? Yeah, you should. Um, so I chose this as my book with my favourite character in, which is a big statement when it, I've just read it. But it's Sarah also a Winman's big statement when you've written your own book with characters in. I know, but you can't, yeah, but there are just too many characters in the world that are amazing to um, to choose my own as favourites. But Sarah Winman is just amazing. She, I love all her books, um, and but Still Life just feels like it's on another level. It is, the story, I'm not going to pitch it very well because it's just such a vast story and there's so much in it, but the thing that shines out are the characters. It's about Ulysses and it starts in Ulysses's character's name, not Ulysses the book. Um, but Ulysses, he's a soldier and he kind of comes back home from Florence um, to the East End where he's got basically a family that he's chosen for himself. And Cressy is my favourite character. So Cressy is kind of like the father of the um, group and he is just so wise and so interesting and so warm and you just want to be his friend I wanted to be everyone's friend but it's a beautiful novel and it's just so tender it's so full of heart and humanity and I just didn't want it to end it's one of those books where so much happened in it but the thing that just kept you in it was the characters and the friendships and this family that they create within themselves and it's set mostly in Florence and it's just so beautiful so I read it when I was on holiday in Cornwall but it just felt like I was on holiday in Florence and it as well and it was amazing um I just think this book should win all the prizes it should it should it's already a classic for me and I think it will be for everyone else but it's just amazing and so beautifully written so funny and so warm there's so much darkness in it but it's just done with such a light touch that it just feels like, yeah, talking to a friend when you read it. So I would say you and your mum should definitely read it. I read it out loud to Will, so I think it might be one to read out loud. We basically read it out loud to each other like a box set. We're just like every day, we're like, when can we, when can we get some still life in? We're really excited. So um, it's amazing. And Cressy is my favourite character by far. I'm not going to tell you any more about him because when you meet him, you'll, you'll see what I mean. 
Well, it's funny to say about the reading out loud. So back in January 2020, when we could actually go on international holidays, um, I went on holiday with my cousin and his friend had bought him a, I can't remember his first name, a Murakami book who's oh, yes. a Japanese author and um, it's called Norwegian Wood. And he's like, oh, my, I love my, that. Book. He's like, my friends bought me this. And I tore through the books I had. So I was like, can I borrow this? And he was like, yeah, but you've got to read it out to me. So I started like, I'd read a chapter a night. Like, oh. People who've read that book know it gets very weird in parts. Yeah, cousin, it does. <laughs> I was reading it out and my cousin was like, what? And I was like, I'm just reading the book. There are some saucy bits there. <laughs> there are some, definitely some saucy bits there. But my poor cousin, I've really traumatized him. But yeah. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, maybe. Well, my mum listened to this before she goes on holiday. I don't think she will. So. Surprise, mom! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. I think you'll both love it. Oh, I hope so. So, tell us about the third book you've chosen and why. Um, yes, yeah, so I think the third book I chose as my favourite book of all time. Um, it's always for me, The God of Small Things by Aaron Dudley Roy. Mm. Um, it's amazing, and I have reread this book probably about twenty times. When did um, you I first read it. I think I was about 16 and I remember it was on a list of books given to me by my English teacher at the time. Um, I think that's how I came across it. And um, he basically just thought I would love it. And I was just looking for books outside of the school curriculum to kind of keep me interested in reading. I think he knew that also I was a bit fed up of never seeing characters of colour in books as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I, but I just absolutely adored this novel. It's so poetic. It's lyrical just the prose itself is so I know it just creates worlds in your mind immediately um it's about two twins um Rahul and Esther not Rahul Rahel and Esther um and they basically are like looking back on their lives and their mother's relationship um their relationship with their mother um and her love with um a man who was considered an untouchable so it's essentially an a forbidden love affair that they have but there's I mean that's really only one part of the book there's so much that goes on but it's yeah it's just so evocative so beautiful um it's set in Kerala the place just comes alive on the page it's yeah I literally when I think about this book I see images rather than storylines if that makes sense and I feel feelings um rather than like thinking about the plot but I would say it's one that everyone should read I have recently seen some people reading it and not loving it which always makes me sad um but I, I guess it's now on those books that everyone recommends all the time and no one's gonna love every single book um and but this is one that I will always recommend to people and it's got a very yeah a very firm place in my heart I love that it's what you said about when you think about the book you see pictures and not yeah. like storylines that's so I mean that's just credit to the the way the author describes things yeah it's very descriptive and it's just yeah I just feel like when I think about the book I'm back there rooted in the emotion and it's it's full of emotion it's full of very visual moments throughout and oh it's so good and the the prose is just so poetic and it really made me think about rhythm in writing very carefully I remember for a little time after reading this at a point when actually it was like the only book I ever wanted to read um and I just thought very carefully about how to write on a line basis and how the words you chose were really important I think mm. it, it was a book that made me think about that really clearly oh okay interesting no it's not a book that I've um I've heard of but now you mention it 
probably thinking about the books that I read, especially as a teenager, there was not a wide range of um, characters from different ethnic backgrounds to myself. Um, so that's really interesting. Yeah. Maybe I should read that yeah. one. So tell oh, yeah, us about, you should. It's amazing. So tell us about the fourth book you've chosen and why you've chosen it. Um, so the fourth book is Zadie Smith's White Teeth, um, which is another of my absolute favourites. I only discovered Zadie Smith when I was in my first or second year of uni, I think. Now, and I remember... I have a confession to make. I'm a bit of a Zadie Smith um, basic bitch, I suppose you'd call it. I've only read uh, On Beauty. Okay, oh, yeah. So a bit of that's a, a really bit good of basic bitch, because it was when it was everywhere a couple of years ago and when I say a couple it's probably like 10 years ago now it was a while ago um and I haven't read any other of her work but here she writes some very good short stories and personal essays but this is another is it a book or a short story um this is her debut novel um so yeah White Teeth was her very first novel and it's the very first one of Zadie Smith's books that I'd read I am the complete opposite I'm a Zadie Smith obsessive pretty much especially when I was at uni I did two dissertations on Zadie Smith's books I read absolutely everything I met her and I got her to sign my notebook with all my dissertation notes in and I was like I'm such a loser why did I do that I could have played it cool but I was like Zadie please please sign my notebook (laughs) and um, she was lovely about it and yeah she's incredible and I just I loved White Teeth I had basically written this short story and I gave it to one of my professors who read it and basically said I think you will love Zadie Smith um not that my writing is in any way as good as Zadie Smith I think it was just a few of the themes and elements in there um reminded her and as soon as I read this book I yeah that was it for me I just knew I'd found um one of my new favorite authors and I read every book that she writes as soon as she publishes it. White Teeth is her first one and it's kind of, it's so warm and it's so funny, um, but there are some really big topics. It basically follows three families um, over, I think about probably like 30 decades and it's kind of like a portrait of London. Um, But what I love about it is it's more of a portrait of the London that I know um, rather than the London that I think you see in lots of books um, because it's set around Wilsdon and my mum's family obviously in Wembley. So I used to visit Wembley a lot and Wembley was what I knew and Northwest London was the London that I knew and whenever I read books about London it was always like Hampstead or Highbury lots of people in fancy houses and I was like I don't get this world don't really I've never seen that um until I moved to London I was like oh yeah I can really see the contrast and what Zadie Smith is so good at doing is just showing how London is such a place of contrast and contradictions and she does it so brilliantly and her characters are kind of So I think this first book, her character is like really bold and outrageous in lots of ways and sort of they epitomise so many different things. But yeah, I just really connected with this and the characters. And it was like another time when it was like the first time that I'd seen um, people who I felt like I could be friends with or people who I felt like I knew in literature. And I was like, yeah, this is a book for me. She's she's incredible. Um, And yeah, I haven't reread that for ages, actually. And I will um, because, yeah, she's just brilliant. And NW was the other one I did my dissertation on. So I did my second year dissertation on White Teeth. I'm sure I didn't do the book justice. I was trying to be super clever. um, But really, I just loved the book so much. And NW was the one I did my final year dissertation on. And I love that one. It's amazing. It's almost darker. And she's being she's you can tell that she's really changed 
in that when she's really experimenting with the way that she's writing mm. all the different characters' voices and her prose is slightly different and spikier in it, but it's, yeah, also brilliant. I mean, if she's looking for a present for a fan club, you're available. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could definitely be the president of her fan club, but um, I would the, just the, nerd out too much. The question we're all wondering, what happened to the notebook she signed? I've still got it. It's on my shelf in my childhood bedroom. And <laughs> whenever I go home to my parents' house and I see it, and I'm like, oh, there it is. And I just think I'm such, I still think I'm such a loser for having done that. No. But she was so kind and generous. No, I think you're fine. I mean, you must sign books all the time. It's no different to signing yeah. a notebook. I think you're, I think you're <laughs> in the clear. She probably has I did get to her. Had... At least you're not like, <laughs> mailing yeah. her, you know. Yeah, no, I've not done time. that. <laughs> yeah, not done that at all. Um, so tell us about the final book you've chosen and why you've chosen it. Yeah, so I found it really hard to choose between two two books. Oh, I'm, I thought I'll decide in the moment. So I think I'm going to mention A.M. Holmes' May We Be Forgiven, um, which I don't know if you've read any A.M. Holmes before. No, but tell us about again, them. Again, you must. So A.M. Holmes, she is an American writer um, and she basically has this amazing ability to kind of turn ordinary into ordinary situations into the most extraordinary stories. Um, and she always starts with this really monumental moment. So may we be forgiven. Um, I read it a long time ago as well, so I hope I get it right. It's basically about um, a man whose brother dies tragically in like this most explosive moment, literally at the dinner table. Um, and then he basically has to look after um, his brother's children, um, I think. And it's it's very much a story of kind of coming back from something really disastrous happening and unlikely people forming unlikely friendships and bonds. And it's, yeah, but it's just beautiful. The way she writes is so, she's got so much wit in her writing that these kind of really big moments that she's just so clever. I'm not pitching it very well because I just, I yeah, I would love to know how her editor works with her because she has the most incredible brain and every single one of her books has these really ordinary situations that are just explosive and they set off a whole chain of events and you never know quite where it's going to go, but it's very much rooted in the characters and their emotional response to things. Um, so yeah, it's, I think all her books are amazing I've read most of them I think maybe be forgiven is probably my favorite followed quite closely by um this book could save your life I think that's what it's called it's got a cover with got a cover with donuts on it which is basically why I bought it but also because it was AM Holmes and it's great um it's got some sinkholes in there which is great some really bizarre things that happen yeah it and I remember someone I was reading on the tube and someone was like um, is that a book about dieting I was like no in no way is this a book about dieting it's yeah it's really good and I think the way that she's published is really clever too so I would recommend that to everyone um she's a great writer interesting you've come on and other than Zadie well other than Zadie Smith they're not books or writers I've heard of obviously I've heard of Zadie Smith but as previously stated I'm a bit of a Zadie Smith basic bitch gotta work on that <laughs> um so yeah these are all great picks I and mean, if you had to pick one which was your favorite overall favorite which one would you pick oh gosh that's so hard I think it would be the god of small things just because 
that book means so much to me and it kind of mm. I read it at exactly the right time in my life as well and it's one that I have just read again and again and again and again yeah. and I love it on so many levels the characters the prose the lyricism the rhythm yeah everything yeah, so it. yeah definitely yeah say, that one couldn't say enough nice <laughs> things about it great so moving on to the five quick fire questions yes question number one fiction or non-fiction fiction do you read non-fiction ever or is it not really your I do read non-fiction um there was a, I used to try and kind of read a fiction book then a non-fiction book um but I'm a fiction editor fiction is my dream I love fiction so much uh, but also I think you can uh, learn a lot from fiction too I love narrative non-fiction so memoirs mm. um I think are much more it for me basically I love storytelling so I don't I don't think I'm such a fan of sort of quite fact fact-based yeah, non-fiction that. if that makes sense mm. but something that has a story um yeah I love memoirs I think that's it for me and um as you touched on your your degree was in English so you might have done this as part of your degree have you ever read um I'm not sure what you'd call them but essentially books that writers have written about writing so I think the most well-known one is by Stephen King um yeah on writing have you read any of those did you find them helpful I think I read quite a lot of I don't remember all the titles I haven't read Stephen King's on writing um I love Stephen King, absolutely. Um, but I haven't read that and everyone keeps recommending it to me and I think I should. Mm. I just almost sometimes when I think too much about the craft of writing, it sort of makes me not write and yeah. it scares me. And so I like to be, I think I like to learn about fiction writing from fiction writers in their writing itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, so kind yeah. of, I get inspired by the way they write things and like Sarah Winman's Still Life, for example, really just opened my mind to all these different ways that I could think about themes and ideas and characters and, and dialogue as well. So yeah, I think that's kind of where I pick things up from, but I have tried to read lots of those. I always just think, oh gosh, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I should stop. <laughs> so... Um... <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh about that. Um, <laughs> question number two, how often do you finish a book? Now, if you've listened to previous episodes, you'll know that I really need to rephrase this question because I meant it as <laughs> how many books do you read, essentially? Um, yeah. But at the moment, oh. you're finishing a book quota is what, one every two years? Um, do you mean in terms of how often do I finish writing a book? Well, I meant it in terms of reading, but I've just actually popped into my head in terms of writing. So tell us both. Yeah, so in terms of, um, I guess, in terms of reading, I'm reading all the time. So I probably get say, about... You probably read the most out of all of my guests. Yeah, I I, I don't count how many because I think it would overwhelm me. But I guess <laughs> probably in a week I have to read or at least look at about 10 books mm. um, for the submissions I get. And in terms of, I don't necessarily finish them all, though I do try and finish as many as I'm really enjoying, basically. Um, so it's, yeah, it depends... Mm on what they are um and then I think in terms of the books that I read for pleasure I probably read about a book a month at the moment and that's in a good month because sometimes it will take me several months to finish a book for leisure yeah. um so yeah that's it, it really depends I mean, and when I'm on holiday I try and cram them in but it doesn't always work I mean I suppose that's the one they say if you do what you love you never work a day in your life but that's the one downside to doing what you love you then don't want to do it in your off time 
well that's the thing I do want to do it in my off time so I love reading as soon as I've got like a holiday I'm like oh I'm going to pack these 10 books I'm so excited to read and then sometimes it will just be if I can't physically read them if I'm too tired to read them um because yeah I think for me reading is still the thing that I find the most relaxing um which Mm -hmm. is great but yeah I have to do so much reading which means I don't get to read a lot for like leisure reading or like books that I've chosen off my bookshelf um during the working week and stuff and in terms of writing I guess yeah I I guess probably a book a year is the aim um but then we'll be working on several not several but both of them at the same time so editing one while trying to write the other I still need to work out how to make it all work in terms of my schedule it's a it's an ongoing process yeah I think we all feel the same but that leads nicely into my third question of what's your favorite place to read my favorite place oh this is so hard everywhere I actually think public transport is my favorite place to read Um, I used to do most of my reading on my commute so I completely agree Mm. I just love it I just love being able to be in a book and like things going on around you I love the the idea of busyness while you're doing something quite quiet Mm. um but yeah so I think probably that's affected how much I've read for pleasure too the fact that I haven't been getting public transport much but yeah it's a strange one because I've got lots of nice like little cozy spots in my flat that I can sit and read but yeah still a tube a packed tube trying to hold up your book while also keeping away from everyone else that's my favorite place (laughs) well I can't argue with that so question number four do you have a favorite independent bookshop um Yes, this is a really hard one because there are so many amazing bookshops. I think I'll have to give a shout out to two of my locals. Um, so Stoke Newington Books um, is was my local when I lived in Stokey and is still basically my local now that I'm in Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so lovely just going in there. They have so much choice. They're so that everyone who works there is so willing to chat about books and recommend things. And I love that. Um, and I have to shout out Book Bar. Um, which recently opened I really want to go I haven't been yet it's so good it's like the dream to have like a bar and a bookshop it's like and a coffee shop it's like everything that Mm. I've been looking for um but Chrissy there who runs it is just amazing with her um book recommendations we went on like the first day that they opened like when bookshops were reopening Mm. um I literally did like a little bookshop haul that week because I was so excited I bought so many books Mm. but yeah you kind of come to buy one book and you leave with so many because Christy just knows so many books and I think that is the beauty of bookshops the fact that you're never going to get that experience online no matter how hard like um Amazon try to take everything booksellers Mm. are the best people to sell books because they know and love books and yeah yeah. and I think yeah we should all do everything we can to help independent bookshops and just keep shopping there because they are they do so much for people and communities they do see I'm on the opposite side of London to book bar so I always mean to go but I haven't been yet but I will go I will definitely we should go yeah we should go and have a coffee there if there's a bar I want more than coffee yeah oh yeah true (laughs) coffee and then stay for drinks (laughs) um so final question um and I'm not sure if you'll be able to tell us because obviously you read some quite I'm sure you read some lovely things for work that you're excited for what book are you most looking forward to reading next oh Phoebe this is the hardest question ever uh (laughs) um 
I will have to mention a book that I have just started reading that I'm loving that mm. I want to get back to. It's Night Bitch by Rachel Yoda, um, which is published by Harvel Secker. I think it's actually out on the same update as me. Um, so two weeks time. And it's brilliant. It's basically about a woman, a new mother, um, and she's convinced that she's turning into a werewolf, but no one believes her. Um, but yeah, she's kind of like sprouting hairs on her chin. And it's just it's just so cleverly done. The writing is so spiky and clever and smart and I think it's going to start loads of conversations I'm only like 30 pages in but completely hooked so that's what I'm looking forward to getting back to interesting okay I think Night Bitch is a bit of a I don't know what do I think it's about because sometimes I hear titles and I'm like what do I think it's about but that's yeah interesting okay well everyone should look out for that book as well and like you said your book is coming out I believe on the 22nd of July yeah 22nd of July scary yeah, so soon everyone needs to go and buy it are you gonna have a big party is, is there gonna be um, a cake I, with your face on I hope not it's <laughs> <laughs> not a cake with my face on um I'm gonna have some people in my garden to celebrate um my oh. mum and dad were like you have to do something they've been wait- they've been so excited about this for you so know, long I agree with them I agree your, your debut <laughs> novel only gets published once yeah and thankfully we've got a ridiculously long garden so there'll be plenty of space for people but yeah my mum and dad were like we're going to be there whatever happens so yes a little oh, garden garden celebration oh that's lovely and if readers if readers and listeners have enjoyed hearing from you where can they find you on social media um i am on instagram at sarah adams books and i am on twitter at sarah adams excellent thank you so much i hope you've had a nice time because i certainly have i've loved it so nice to see you phoebe and yeah we should definitely hang out in book bar when you make it when you make it up north oh it's so far away (laughs) 